A young man sitting in church one day made a startling discovery. He was a pre-med student, only 19 years old, and the sermon that day was probably a dull one. There are such things, I understand, dull sermons. Not that any of you here at Emmanuel would know anything about that. <laughs> anyway, instead of listening to the sermon, this young man's attention was drawn to the altar lantern swinging back and forth, back and forth, back and forth in hypnotic fashion. This young man, however, did not get sleepy. Instead, he started timing the swings of the lantern using his own pulse as a clock. And he made a discovery, a discovery that changed his life and to a certain extent changed our world. For after this experience, this young man dropped the study of medicine and began studying mathematics and physics. His name, of course, was Galileo, a man responsible for the birth of modern science. Galileo revolutionized how people kept time. Now, at the time of Galileo's discovery, the very best clocks in the world would easily lose or gain 15 minutes a day. But then, after Galileo mastered the rhythm of the pendulum, all the best clocks were using that method, and they were losing or gaining only 10 seconds a day. No doubt hundreds of people had sat in that same church watching that lantern sway back and forth, back and forth. But Galileo saw so much more than any old lantern. He thought, aha, this could be a way to measure time itself. So when was the last time you had an aha experience? Now, there's a word for that, of course, it is epiphany. When we have an epiphany, we discover something new, something exciting, something revolutionary. As we begin this new year in worship, it's my desire that you might have some aha experiences regarding your understanding of God. Impossible, you say? You believe you already know as much about God as you're ever going to know? Well, I hope you can be like Galileo and continue to look for new things to learn. Perhaps this year in worship and Bible study, you will discover something entirely new about God that could change your life forever. Famed Bible teacher J. Vernon McGee once asked, what is your ambition in life today? Is it to get rich? Is it to make a name for yourself? Is it even to do some wonderful thing for God? Then he said, listen to me. The highest desire that can possess any human heart is a longing to see God. This is what epiphany is all about, a longing to see God. That's the desire that drove the wise men to Bethlehem in the first place. Now we know epiphany is the 12th day after Christmas, January the 6th. And according to tradition, this is the day that we celebrate the arrival of the wise men to worship the one who was born to be king of the Jews. The wise men followed a star until it came to the place where the young child lay. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down 
and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's truly a wonderful story, one of the best known stories of our faith. And yet, the prophet Isaiah had anticipated the coming of those wise men hundreds of years before when he wrote, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. These were the words of prophecy. However, even Isaiah did not understand the full import of what would happen when his prophecy was fulfilled. He only prophesied what God had laid on his heart. Arise, shine, for your light has come. So what do these words mean to you? Your light has come. For the Magi, these words represented the birth of a king. But what do they mean for you? Well, doesn't the coming of light imply that the world was in darkness? Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. Isaiah first spoke these words to the people of Jerusalem during a time of great travail for the nation. They were a captive people. Their homes and fields were ravaged and abandoned, laid desolate by the power of the Babylonian Empire. But God would not abandon his people forever, counseled Isaiah. God would act in their behalf. Darkness is a powerful metaphor, isn't it? It usually signifies all the things that we most dread. So children are afraid of the dark. Things go bump in the night, don't they, when it's dark. Criminals are more likely to prefer the dark than the light. Fear is more prevalent. Ignorance is associated with darkness. No one wants to be kept in the dark. Well, unless they're doing evil. Darkness hides our misdeeds. Light reveals our misdeeds and all their ugliness. But here's what's disturbing. There will come a time, says the Bible, when people will love the darkness more than the light. King Herod certainly loved the darkness. He was ruthless, murdering his wife, his three sons, his mother-in-law, brother-in-law, uncle, and, and dozens of others. His crowning cruelty, of course, was the murder of the infant boys in Bethlehem of Judea in a vain attempt to slaughter the newborn king of the Jews. The philosopher Plato once wrote, we can easily forgive a child who's afraid of the dark. The real tragedy of life is when adults are afraid of the light. And so Herod was afraid of the light. And so he sought to slaughter the one about whom John would say, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so the world was in darkness. Ignorance and evil were both ascendant, as they are even today. But here's the good news. Darkness will never have the last word. That is, after all, the message of epiphany. Light has come into the world. 
In the Bible, someone once said, it gets dark, then it gets very, very dark, and then Jesus shows up. That says it all, doesn't it? The world was in darkness, deep darkness, but then Jesus showed up. Let me ask you, have you ever been in a cave when they turn all the lights out? It can be rather disconcerting, can't it? Now, I know they do it for a fact, and you know that they're going to turn the lights back on eventually, so you don't worry too much about it. Well, in his book, The Gulag Archipelago, Alexander Solzhenitsyn tells a story about how as a political prisoner in a labor camp in the old Russia, he was forced to live in a cell without any lights and with windows that were painted so he couldn't see outside. Can't even imagine how depressing that must have been. But then one day, a little fleck of paint fell off the window. And in the darkness, Alexander saw a tiny ray of sunlight shine its beam of hope into his dark cell. This light is what gave him strength to continue on the light to know that he was still alive and a part of the created order. It was enough for him to just know that the world was still progressing. More than 2,000 years ago, a tiny babe was born in Bethlehem of Judea. It may have seemed that it too was a tiny ray of light in a dark world, but that tiny ray of light was exactly what the world needed. And even today, that light is still lighting people's lives, helping them to move out of the darkness. Arise, your light has come. What does that mean to you? Biblically, it means that without Christ, the world is a dark and lonely place. It's a world of conflict and injustice. It's a world of ignorance and fear. And there's nothing to look forward to but despair. But that is not the end of the story. Remember, it gets dark, then it gets very, very dark, and then Jesus shows up. You see, with Jesus, there's always hope. With Jesus, no matter how dire our situation, no matter how terrible our circumstances, we have a Savior who loves us and who rescues us from the darkness of sin. We have a Lord who has overcome the darkness of death and each day gives us new life through his grace and forgiveness. We have a king who promises an eternity with him in heaven where there is no need for sun or moon because his light will illuminate everything. Your life may get dark, even very dark, but then Jesus shows up and there is light. And so, really, there's only one more thing to be said. Christ is the light of the world. But we who are followers of Christ are called to reflect in our lives that we have been in his presence. And we do that by continuing to shine the light of his love into our dark world. You know, Henry Van Dyke wrote one of the most famous fictional accounts of the coming of the Magi to Bethlehem, which he called the story of the other wise man. 
Now in the story, Van Dyke speaks of a fourth wise man who searched for years for the Christ child, but was never able to catch up with the others. This wise man had three jewels, a gift of great wealth, which he intended to give to the newborn king. But in his journey to find the newborn king, he came across people who had great needs, and he couldn't just pass them by without trying to help. And so he ended up using those three jewels that he intended to offer the Christ child to care for the needs of those people that he found in want. This fourth magi searched for Jesus for the rest of his life, only to realize at the end of his life that he had both found Jesus and worshiped him each time he gave himself and his gift to someone who was in need. Through his compassion, this fourth wise man pushed back some of the world's darkness. And my friends, that is our task as well. We are to live in the presence of Christ so that with time, we too will be able to reflect his light through the service that we give to others. What an epiphany that would be. Uh-huh. <laughs> Amen.